Welcome to the Unusual and Human Experience podcast, where we explore a mystery that has many faces and interacts with humanity all over the globe. Here, we talk about the unusual, ancient, and contemporary. If you are curious about near-death and out-of-body experiences, encounters with UFOs, events of the paranormal, or even strange esoteric experiences, the Unusual and Human Experience podcast is for you. Host Kevin Keyless, a psychotherapist by trade, provides insightful conversations, sometimes with guest speakers familiar with the topic at hand. This podcast is educational and inspirational, its contents representing only the opinion of the host and, when applicable, his guest. Kevin is the author of three books, Bring Your Pen, Bring Your Broom, Last Breath Awareness, and Spiritual Care to Elderly and Dying Loved Ones and the founder of Conversing with Death, an existential training on last breath awareness. For more about his services, go to bodymindmetaphor.com. And now your host, Kevin Keyless. Welcome to another episode of the Unusual and Human Experience podcast. Today we're going to talk about the paranormal, the paranormal without and the paranormal within. We're going to look briefly at what is the paranormal and what do we talk about when we're discussing investigations. We'll even touch upon the subject of demons as it relates to investigations. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding out there when it comes to the subject And I'll also discuss my own style of approaching apparitions when I perceive that they are present. And then we'll end with a really good topic, and that is, what does this all say about us? Whenever we talk about the unusual, it's one thing to explore them, but then when we try to understand what does it mean for us, how does it describe us, what does it say about our lives, more of that to come. All right, before we delve into the paranormal, let me ask you three things in passing. Which scholarly resource is sympathetic to the paranormal? A, parapsychology, B, psychology, or C, mainstream science? Which of the three are more sympathetic to the paranormal? Number two, can you name an educational center or a resource or organization that teaches how to investigate the paranormal from a healthy, skeptical approach? And three, more of a true-false than a question, a haunting in the paranormal is sometimes described as a memory located or residing in a specific place. True or false? All right, as we begin, I want to share with you that I am a psychotherapist. Some of you know that if you've heard my other podcasts. I've long held to a worldview of what I call other, or that there is more. Now, what that more or other has been has changed for me over time. There were times in which a map of sorts was given to me by which to define the afterlife, or even what to call it, such as afterlife. But things for me have changed and evolved over time and season. Today, I engage in studies with a particular school around the subject of paranormal and ongoing consciousness. 
So naturally, this has impacted my ever-evolving understanding of apparitions, the world of other, or that there is more. I have visited places like cemeteries. Um, I'm intrigued about abandoned buildings. I don't do investigations when families are present or when they are a part of the investigation, simply because it's a sort of a tricky path for me as a therapist and also investigator. I do provide consultation for investigators. I think it's very important for investigators to truly um, find consultations, to understand personal dynamics, uh, team dynamics, interactions with family members. All of that should really be a priority as one is developing a team and an investigation. In fact, just to put a plug on this, I'm offering a free monthly online group for investigators who wish for really some added support. It's not therapy, but it's a safe place to explore with others things that come up for investigators. Now, I'm limiting this to just eight seats, and one must be a part of a recognized team, a school, or organization. So if you're interested, just shoot me an email and we can get the conversation going. All right, so what is the paranormal? The paranormal is based on a theory that something beyond what can be perceived by mainstream science and naturally the senses exists. Now, what that consists of is hard to tell when it comes to describing the paranormal. We know that we can go as far as to say it is beyond the normal, but once we're there, it's sort of difficult to describe, and many people have come up with different theories on how to look at it. Now, within the paranormal or parapsychological field, there are some descriptions about themes or subjects or targets, if you wish, when it comes to investigation. One is apparition, another is haunting, and a third is poltergeist. There are some others, but these are three very popular themes to consider when you're doing an investigation. Now, for those not familiar, let me describe them after this message. Body Mind Metaphor offers a range of virtual monthly groups to professionals looking for support, guidance, and up-to-date education. If you're a professional counselor, healthcare discipline, social worker, or pastoral counselor, you can choose from an exceptional list. If you're an experiencer, there's more exciting news. Body Mind Metaphor runs a free online monthly support group. A place for the experiencer, where you can talk with others about the challenges you face and learn how to make your mysterious encounter work for you. Seats are limited to eight members, so act now. For more information, go to bodymindmetaphor.com. Now, beginning with the second one, haunting. I wish there was a better word for this. But the way I've come to understand haunting through studies and sort of my own calculations, I understand hauntings to be a, an, a type of energy, if you will, that is located in a particular space and time. Um, and so sometimes when investigators come across hauntings, it isn't necessarily an apparition or a disembodied spirit. It's more to do with an impression that is left for some reason in or around that area, and it is now located there. Now, that's my definition. 
Poltergeist is another interesting thing. Most of us are familiar with the movie, but poltergeist is understood in the parapsychological field to consist of unconscious energy. Often studies have found that usually children or teenagers are involved whenever there's poltergeist experience. And when that's the case, the conclusion has been that a poltergeist is not necessarily the working of the spirit, which involves items and things flying or shifting or moving, but that it could be more so the work of the unconscious. There's usually a lot of tension, perhaps conflict, a lot of energy involved in, say, family dynamics. And so poltergeist is more about the unconscious. Now, whether that means every time, I don't know. I sometimes find myself leaving room for a poltergeist to be more than that. But that makes sense, and I'm very intrigued with the unconscious, and the unconscious is a very powerful place, so it makes sense to me. Now, an apparition is, you might say, a disembodied spirit, a spirit from a deceased, someone who once occupied not only this life, but perhaps the area in which some do investigations. It's almost like they seem to tie themselves to places that were once familiar to them. Now, when investigators come in, they usually have heard a report of something unusual going on. And so the role of the investigator is to naturally see what is going on and to rule out any natural explanations before they conclude that there is an apparition in place, that there is an apparition around the house or an abandoned building, you know, what have you. Now, my understanding of an apparition, and especially working with an apparition, might be different than what you see on popular TV. On TV, remember, everything is about getting your attention, wowing you. But when it comes to apparitions, I understand that they are here for a reason, or maybe reasons. And that as much as they might roar, as much as they might sort of make great sounds and kind of create some chaos... Their intentions are not evil. Now, this raises the nature of an apparition. And some will conclude that whenever they do investigations, that they are looking for demons to then cast out in order to restore stability to a home or to some place. However, I find that that is incorrect. And I'm going to share why. First of all, The history of demonology is one that is very much controlled and has been long controlled by the church. And by the church, I mean Christian and Catholic churches. This concept is so dominant and has been so dominant for so long that it doesn't raise awareness to other historical traditions and literature on demons. For example, there are places in which angels are understood to be destructive, whereas demons are understood to be therapeutic or for healing purposes. And there have been groups and traditions in which demons were not called demons. They were understood differently and were sought after for good purpose. And so many people don't know that, and they're not aware of that. And especially when investigators don't know this, and when they go into an investigation with previously held concepts or previously owned concepts about demons, 
they tend to take the investigation to a different level, one that can feel very scary and one that can ignite anxiety. So when you think about it, this sort of uh, preconceived idea that sets the stage for a particular type of investigation is really counterproductive because it the nature of an investigation is to really restore balance and to create clarity and to provide healing. This sort of thing where you're then casting out supposedly demons, roaring like a lion going around with the Bible or going around with symbols that portray some sort of uh, strength against this supposed demon leads to a different path, one that is not really healing in nature. If you're interested in studying more around this area, I would encourage you to not look so much to demonology, but to demonolatry. Demonolatry is really more of a respectful way of looking at the subject of demons as we understand it today. Now, when I return, we'll talk about investigators. Bring your pen, bring your broom brings together two healing communities, the psychotherapist and the witchy at heart. Only you'll be lucky to find them anywhere in the same room. The therapist easily misunderstands and labels the mystic, who in turn worries she'll be labeled crazy. But what happens when the esoteric practitioner seeks mental and emotional support to balance her often strange but sacred practice? This concise text guides the therapist to correct his miscalculations by dismantling those dormant stereotypes. The professional paves the way to offer necessary wisdom and skills to manage trauma, clinical depression and anxiety, the very things that can threaten the esoteric practitioner. Bring Your Pen, Bring Your Broom also supplies the potential client with direction on how to effectively use therapy to prevent emotional unsteadiness while exercising those slippery rituals. Bring Your Pen, Bring Your Broom, now on Amazon in hardcover and paperback. And now just a brief word around investigators. Investigators of the paranormal are intriguing individuals to me. I enjoy listening to them. I enjoy hearing their perspective on things, how they really like to really polish up their skills, learn about different types of, of approaches to the subject, and uh, really the purpose behind it. Um, oftentimes, I do meet investigators who have such a compassionate heart. They don't see the apparition or the pursuit of an apparition as the pursuit of evil. Instead, they try to understand the apparition. They try to hear for what maybe the apparition is looking for in terms of healing, forgiveness, to be seen, um, something where they, they are holding on to something so tightly that it's keeping them from advancing. These sort of theoretical approaches, to me, um, constitute an effective way of investigating. Now, oftentimes they will go to abandoned places. They will sometimes go to homes that are occupied by families. Um, some will do investigations around cemeteries, although I've heard that some investigators find no use for cemetery because it's like they don't see why an apparition would necessarily hang around a cemetery. But 
But I pose the same question about an abandoned building or an abandoned asylum, like what is so intriguing and appealing about that? But nevertheless, they pursue uh, as much as they can trying to understand what might be happening in a home or in a building. And the name of the game uh, is to rule out all natural explanations. This is very important, and investigators know this very well, but I don't know how much of the public is aware that a good investigator isn't out to wow you, like the TVs and some of the YouTube clips that you see. There's so many of them that are worth not looking at because their intentions are to, to, to really grab your attention. But more often than not, investigations, while they are intriguing and they have a lot to teach us, investigations can sometimes be boring. There's not a lot of activity. Sometimes there's a little bit, sometimes there's some, and on occasion there may be uh, times where it is rather intense, but they are not as frequent as people might think. It's sort of like past lives. You know, when we talk about past lives, it's interesting to see those who are interested sort of pursuing the Cleopatra or someone famous. But I remember one teacher saying that really the pursuit of our past lives, if we believe in past life, that much of it is boring, that what we'll find is an ordinary life, nothing big or nothing fancy. But we sort of think of the wow about past lives and who we can seem to discover of who we were before, and it usually has some great and mighty name. Not so. And when it comes to investigations, it isn't something that is so exciting or intense, but it is intriguing in nature, and those who are dedicated to it understand that. Now, there's so much to say on this topic that one podcast is not going to do it justice. So as brief as I am, I always encourage you to do studies around the subject, to find places where you can study this with great minds, find good support systems, so that you can continue to grow around it. Now, I do want to focus on the paranormal within before we're done. Now, when it comes to UFOs, UFO encounters, near-death experiences, past life experiences, and the paranormal, there is something about them that in and of itself is fascinating. However, as I explore these things with other people, there is something about what they say about us. And I'm often intrigued to understand what does it mean when we have these experiences? What does it say to us and about us? And when it comes to the paranormal, I find that that feel represents a lot of what goes on within us. First, there is this search, a search for something. When we think about our inner world as, say, whether it's an abandoned building, a cemetery, or a place, or a home— Think about how there's a sense or a desire to explore that unusual place of yours. It could be abandoned because you haven't gone there. You've left it. 
you compartmentalize your life for some reason, and you've cut that part of your life out. And if there's anything that the field of the paranormal teaches us is that as you begin to pursue that abandoned place in your heart and mind, to pursue it, to dedicate time in order to find out what exists there now, and what can you recover now. And as you are making that move inward, and you discover what you believe to be an apparition, one of the first things that you would do is you want to rule out natural explanations, which in another way when you're investigating your psyche is, how do I rule out the natural voices, the voices that have told you who to become, how to live, how to choose a career, what career? These are natural explanations. What you're looking for is that apparition within, the apparition that says, this is who I am, the apparition that gives you voice, your own voice. And when you find that apparition, when you have been able to rule out these natural explanations, these voices that have long conditioned you to believe what you believe, that have told you who you should be instead of who you really are. Allow that apparition to speak. And when you allow that apparition to speak, that apparition within you might cry out. It may shout. It may create some sort of chaos because it has not received the adequate attention that it deserves. And then speak to that apparition. Dialogue with it. Don't speak to it. Don't demand it. Don't command it. Don't cast it out. Simply speak to it and then listen. Listen for what it needs. It could be that it has not been loved for a long time. It could be that it's been wounded for so long that it's been so crippled that it's lied dormant in your heart and mind for ages. It could be that the apparition within you has needed attention has needed someone to believe in. And as you do in investigations, when you speak in compassion with the apparition and try to free it, give the apparition within space. Give your apparition, the apparition within, that ability to be able to be free. Give it a home. Give it space. And then allow for mystery. You know, one of the things about paranormal investigations is that sometimes things do happen. We can't quite tell what they are. We're careful not to conclude too quickly, but we're left wondering. And I believe that when it comes to really the paranormal within, there is a sense of mystery. There are times in investigations where an apparition or perceived apparition will not tell you everything. When you ask questions, it will not always answer. It leaves you in the dark. Perhaps it wants to just tell you what it told you and nothing more. Perhaps it wants you to visit it again. Or perhaps it wants you to maybe leave it alone for a while. 
In the same way, when you seek and find the apparition within, using all your tools, healthy tools, when you're using all your tools to investigate who you are, you'll be able to understand clearly your identity, your purpose in life, and your vision for the future. Body-mind metaphor offers traditional psychotherapy to adults seeking to recover from trauma and to manage depression and anxiety. Now with a unique and necessary twist, it provides these same interventions to individuals who have experienced unusual phenomena, such as a near-death experience, an encounter with a UFO, some mystical or esoteric transformation that proved distressful, or a paranormal event. Many who meet up with a strange experience often remain silent, sometimes for years, for fear of being ridiculed or thought of as crazy. This isolation only inflames mental and emotional symptoms. It is therefore imperative that mental health professionals provide that safe space for clients to explore these experiences and integrate them into our lives. Body-Mind Metaphor delivers just that by using talk therapy, hypnotherapy, and other therapeutic modalities. Remember, you are not alone, and you don't have to be. For more information, visit us at bodymindmetaphor.com. 